Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, and leave comments down below. If you're listening on Podbean, Spotify, and now officially Apple. We are now on Apple Podcasts, folks. So if you're listening on Apple as well, follow on all those platforms and share around with others as well. We have X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. College football day today, week five was wild. It was full of, you know, triumph, uh, class act, as you can tell from the Notre Dame and Duke game. That was a very classy ending from Notre Dame there. Offensive firepower showcase. We're going to get to that in a minute, as well as some questions on, you know, one side of the ball, defense in particular. So, we're going to get to all that. Week 5 recap was filled with some fun and interesting, you know, interesting games. Like I said, uh full of offensive firepower. Points were scored in the LSU Ole Miss game. We're going to talk about that one in a minute. Defense on certain teams little suspect uh and it could cost, you know, it could cost and it did certainly cost a few you know one particular team this past weekend. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about you know, week six and the top matchups there. We're going to look ahead. Georgia? How are we feeling on Georgia? That's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. Uh, how are we feeling on teams like LSU? Who stocks up? Who stocks going down? We're going to talk about that on the show. Let's break it down. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Like each episode. Leave comments down below. Guys, follow on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Guys, follow on X. Instagram and Facebook for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Keep plugging in. Let's get it rolling. Let's get it rolling with our week five recap. We'll go with week five. This is how we're going to break it down, just like we do it normally. Week five, go to the polls. Then we'll talk about week six and break down and preview and predict. Week five, this game will go a little bit faster here. Uh, Oregon State and Utah. We talked about that one for our top matchups last week, and I was kind of... I was kind of on the fence uh, on this game. I was thinking, okay, this game, I picked Utah, and it could go either way, and I was wrong. I was wrong about this game. Uh, final score, Oregon State 21, Utah 7. But the thing is, I said that without the least bit of surprise because I was not surprised. Honestly, I think Utah, I think Oregon State is a better team than most people give them credit for. I think that their offense is very underrated. Uh, I think their defense is also underrated as well. I think Oregon State Beavers as a team is underrated. Um, they needed a bounce back win after losing to Wazoo, and they did. They got that bounce back win. Uh, Utah looked a little out of sync on offense. I think as the weeks go on, Cam Rising is a is a must. Okay, uh, getting him back into full in the full swing of things is a must. Uh, I do think Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes are two good quarterbacks. I just think as the season goes on, the veteran leadership of Cam Rising and the quarterback play from him 
is probably needed for Utah. So let's go down with Oregon. Let's go, you know, break down with Oregon State and then Utah stats, and then we'll, you know, wrap it up and move on. But DJ Ugolele had a game, 14 for 25 for 204 yards and a touchdown. The only blemish he really had was an interception, six carries with 18 yards. He's starting, he's, he's playing good. He's still trying to look for, you know, that next level, that next step at Oregon State. But he's playing, he's playing pretty good. He's playing pretty decent. So uh, not bad numbers, and it helped them, you know, get a 21-7 win. So Silas Bolden, their running back, pretty solid back. I'm not going to lie. He's a good receiving back as well. Two carries with 53 yards and a touchdown, six receptions with 100 yards and a touchdown. So one on the ground and one through the air. So Silas Bolden, pretty good, you know, option for them, for the Beavers, you know, in that win this past Friday. Damian Martinez, 16 carries with 65 yards and a touchdown. Nate Johnson from Utah, he got the start. He was 8 for 23 with 101 yards and a touchdown, uh, 9 carries with 3 yards. Bryson Barnes took over. He didn't do as hot at either. Five for eight with 40 yards and an interception. Uh, Jalen Glover, their running back, 16 carries with 58 yards. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, three receptions with 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, uh, good option there. Good tight end option for Utah. Just wasn't enough to get the win this past Friday. I think the crowd noise a little bit got into Utah's head, and they looked a little bit out of sync on offense in general. I think they're missing Cam Rising desperately, and I think that's probably the biggest issue for Utah's offense right now. Uh, bringing Cam Rising back is a must currently, and that's how I view it as. Uh, I kind of had a feeling that Utah was going to lose the game. Or, or, you know, not just really lose the game, lose a game. I didn't know it was going to be this one in particular. I feel like they were going to drop a game at some point. Um, the longer Cam Rising is out, I expect them to possibly lose another. Uh, I think Utah's a good team. I just, without Cam Rising, I don't see them have that umph yet. I think next season is when Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson will, you know, battle it out, and we're going to see, you know, who's the true face of that Utes program. I think Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes are still wonderful quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. I just think they're a little bit younger, and they're and they they need more more time. And this is the time they're they're getting the development right now. They're getting the in game experience now, which is good. But to save the season for Utah, what they need is Cam Rising back. And they need him back pretty urgently, I would assume. Um, it's not over. They, they only had one loss. One loss. But if they keep losing, especially to another Pac-12 opponent, it may be all but over for their Pac-12 title hopes and potentially their playoff hopes as well. So final score, Oregon State 21. They look good. They look really good. Beavers look surprisingly underrated. Utah, seven. Utah's going back to the drawing board. Uh, tough game for both teams. Um, but, you know, how I look at it is Oregon State still progressing and still still showing some underrated signs. Utah playing, you know, needs to play a little bit more urgently and getting Cam Rising back as they need their veteran quarterback back, I would assume, to possibly, you know, I would say save the season when it comes to trying to get to the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas in December. So final score, Oregon State 21, Utah 7. Moving on to another Pac-12 matchup, USC-Colorado. I said that USC was going to win the game. I was right. USC did win the game. But I was also right about another thing. I said if, if Colorado State brought some humility 
showed some showed some respect to their opponent, they would play them close, and they did. Final score, USC 48, Colorado 41. Now, I will say this. USC was blowing them out pretty good, pretty good in the third quarter. It was 48-21. Then all of a sudden, it was 48-41 at the end of the game. Colorado was about to come back. They were on their way marching down the field to come back. After the third quarter, USC didn't score anything. Uh, but, but but here's the thing. USC's offense, electric. And it's led by, obviously, guess who? I mean, you probably already guessed it. Reigning, defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was a madman in this game. 30 for 40 with 403 yards and six touchdowns. 403 yards and six touchdowns with only one interception. Uh, five carries with 12 yards. Uh, they're running back. They're back. Marshawn Lloyd. Also a also an animal. He's a beast. 13 carries with 84 yards and a touchdown. Todd Washington was their go-to man. He's probably been pretty much Todd Washington and uh, Zachariah Branch have been their two options. Their Swiss Army knife would be Zachariah Branch, but their main outside go-to receiver is, has been Taj Washington all year. Eight receptions with 117 yards and a touchdown. Brendan Rice, son of legendary NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice. Five receptions with 81 yards and two touchdowns for Brendan Rice. And Mario Williams, three receptions with 53 yards and a touchdown. Now, I'll say this. Uh, they play good on offense, but the defense is still the biggest question for this team. Uh, everyone else is saying that you can't take USC seriously. Right now, it's kind of hard to. Um, and that, that's how I look at it. USC's a team that they're solid on offense. And when you look at them, they're, you know, they're they're un- unstoppable on offense with the weapons they got. But when you look at them and you look at them on defense, it's like, okay, we can move the ball on this team. And you can. And this is where my defensive topic comes in I said defense eh? that's what that's what I'm mentioning this is just the first team by the way I'm not even close to being done with the topic of defense in this episode of pigskin frenzy USC looks great on offense still a little suspect on defense it's kind of hard to say if they're going to win it or not because their schedule from here on out oh look look at a little tough they got Notre Dame in a couple of weeks um they have Oregon coming to town on the 11th they got Washington you know, later in the season, they got UCLA. They got some ball games, man. They got Utah coming in. They got a lot of games coming in. US, USC's got a tough, pretty tough schedule. Um, and those teams are not bad. You, you think that they're playing Arizona State close, but you're looking at them and you're like, oh, shoot, you know? So, sorry, I was trying to get my pen. I guess I'll just have to get another one to take notes on. Uh, so, Anyway, sorry for the interruption. Back to the show. USC, uh, when you look at them, great on offense, defense, kind of just, you know, suspect. Still, it's been that way since last year. It's what cost them games last year. They probably should have gone to the playoff last year, if you, if you want to be really, really truthful. Should have beaten Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, but Utah had other plans. Utah looked solid in that Pac-12 title game, and USC ended up, going to the Cotton Bowl. They lost the Cotton Bowl as well. Um, it's the defense, and it's the, the one thing that's really keeping them, you know, out of the conversation 
for the playoffs. There's a lot of people who are saying, okay, they're they're eight, they're nine. And the thing is, you see them, they're like they went from they went from five to to what I think they're eight or nine now. I got to look at the polls in a minute when we go over them, but around there because of their because of their defense it's because of their defense their defense is is the one thing that's kind of iffy on USC they would be much higher if they had a, a superb defense they were blowing these teams out but they let Colorado come back they lost Colorado lost they beat Colorado but they 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 let them come back the defense is just kind of hearsay right and, and that's the whole big thing about USC. They look good on offense. Let's go with Colorado. Shadur Sanders, 30 for 45 with 371 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, and he had one interception. That was the only thing. 14 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well. Anthony Hankerson, 16 carries with 74 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Edwards, 12 carries with 44 yards. Jimmy Horn Jr., seven receptions with 84 yards and two touchdowns. One carry with 19 yards. Michael Harrison, six receptions with 44 yards and a touchdown. Amarian Miller was the truth in this game, ladies and gentlemen. He was the go-to man for Shador. Seven receptions with 196 yards and a touchdown. He was open all over the field. They couldn't get him. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't cover him. USC still won. They outscored him, but Amarian Miller was the truth. He helped almost, almost laid him, laid him down to a comeback. Colorado's defense played well, actually. I like Colorado's defense. I think they did play good on defense. There were some key players. Uh, Des Moines Kennedy, uh, <clears throat> Des Moines Kennedy from Alabama, Alabama transfer. He played light. He played pretty good. Uh, a lot of guys on defense played well for the Buffaloes. And I think that they got some, some much needed stops and takeaways in hopes of a comeback. But here's the thing that led them to not come back and that was the run they kept running the ball at the very end time management was on their side clock kept going and they kept running the ball for some reason I was very I was questioning that I was sitting here and saying to myself I was like why oh why are you running the ball when you have a few seconds left or clicking going down to a few seconds like under a minute left and you're still running the ball, right? You, you got you to gotta try to tie this game up, right? They didn't tie it up. They ran out of time. And then they got stopped. So then you're, you're thinking, okay, they, got, they, they kept running the ball, they kept running the ball, then they got stopped, and it was over. Very odd, very, very questionable, I would say. They didn't get it. They got stopped. USC ends up winning the game 48-41. But Colorado is on the brink of coming. They're coming. They are. They, uh, they're on the brink of, you know, that next step. Uh, is that next step going to be now? Probably not. But that next step could be next season. It could be in the next couple of years. I think Colorado is going to be a team to, you know, be feared and, you know, not to be messed with. Colorado's looking good. Uh, I think they're on the verge. They just give them some time. Not gonna all gonna, it's not a listen rebuilding teams are are usually not a overnight success story it's not i honestly said during the offseason that colorado was probably going to drop a couple of games they did 
I said Oregon was probably going to be one of them. They dropped to Oregon. I said USC was going to be one of them. They dropped to USC. It's it's just right now SC and Oregon are the two teams right now that are ready in the Pac-12 along with Washington. Colorado is out on the outside looking in. They're good, but they're not there to take that step yet. That's okay, but they will be. In the Big 12, they will be. So, final score, 48-41, USC, close game with Colorado. Colorado will be ready. USC, they look good. Defense is still suspect. They need to probably, I would probably suggest trying my hardest to clean up the defense. I don't know. It's, 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 I'm beating a dead horse with it, almost. Uh, you got to clean up the defense, and that's the biggest thing right now for USC. Final score, 48-41. USC defeats Colorado. Moving on. Notre Dame-Duke. You're probably thinking, wait, you're going out of order. Last week it was Ole Miss-LSU, Notre Dame-Duke. I'll get to Ole Miss and LSU because I have, I have a few comments on that. Notre Dame and Duke, let's go through it with it quickly. Notre Dame defeats Duke 21-14. I said it was going to be a close game, and it was. It was a very close game. I think that, I think that Duke... Uh, is a team that will still give teams fits. I really do. I think they're still in it. One loss team. Uh, but the injury, and I'll have to update you on that. Riley Leonard did hurt his ankle at the end of the end of the game. I hope he is okay. Prayers and thoughts and prayers were with him. Uh he he did hurt his ankle, so we'll have to update you and get updates as you know fast as we can for it. But final score 21-14. Notre Dame beats Duke. Sam Hartman, he played good. He wasn't, you know, a lethal assassin or anything, but he played good. 15 for 30 with 222 yards. Audric Estime, I said that you needed to have Audric Estime back in the run game and seeing what he, you know, what he can do. He did, man. He did pretty good. Uh, 18 carries with 81 yards and two touchdowns, and one of those two touchdowns was the go-ahead game-winning touchdown for Notre Dame. So Audric Estime... It's his time, right? Estimate time, right? Mitchell Evans, six receptions with 134 yards. They are tight end. DJ Brown and Howard Cross the third were the two guys that made the most impacts on their defense. Notre Dame's defense looks solid. Um, I mean, obviously, Marcus Freeman's a defensive-minded coach. Good, good, strong defensive uh, stands, you know, to close out this, close out this tough win in Durham, man. It was good, good on Notre Dame. They look good. They look like a team that could potentially potentially sneak into the playoffs. They can't lose another game. They cannot lose another game, but they look like a team that will potentially sneak it, that could potentially sneak into the playoffs. Let's go with Duke here for a second. Riley Leonard, 12 for 27 with 134 yards and a touchdown with only one interception. 18 carries with 88 yards. Jaquez Moore, 7 carries with 51 yards. Jordan Waters, their other running back, 13 carries with 45 yards and a touchdown. And Jordan Moore, their receiver, 4 receptions with 67 yards and a touchdown. Trey Freeman and Jeremiah Lewis were probably the main impacts for the Blue Devils on defense. They look good on defense as well. This was a good overall game for both teams. I I like both. I like them both on defense and offense. I just think Notre Dame with the go-ahead touchdown, it was a close game through the end, back and forth, but I think Notre Dame just got the edge. Notre Dame got the edge at the end and made one good play, and it was that go-ahead touchdown to ice the Blue Devils in Durham. So uh, final score, 21-14 Notre Dame. They both look good. Notre Dame could potentially sneak into the playoffs. Duke is not out of the water yet. I would not count out Duke just yet. Uh, good game for both teams. Uh, Riley Leonard did 
get hurt his ankle. I'll have to update you on that. By the way, the class act I was mentioning happened in this game. Sam quarterback Sam Hartman for Notre Dame went uh, was interviewing at the end of the game with uh, with Holly Rowe, and he said, uh, "If you don't mind." I have to, I'll have to break away from this interview. I got to go check on Riley Leonard. He's a good standout quarterback for this team, and he's a good standout guy. And I just wanted to check on him to see if he was okay. He waited outside of the tent for him to come out to check on to make sure he was okay. Class act by quarterback Sam Hartman. And if y'all see it on, go on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever and watch that video. It was pretty impressive. I liked seeing that video. I loved it. Uh, class act, Sam Hartman is. He he really is uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, 21-14, Notre Dame beats Duke and routes them there. Both teams looking pretty solid. So, moving on, last week before, you know, last before we, you know, move on to our, you know, the polls and go on to our week six preview and predictions. Ole Miss LSU. Ah, let me go on and tell you something. Fireworks. That's all I got to say. Describe it. Fireworks. I said LSU was going to beat Ole Miss 38-35. Field goal win. I was wrong about the whole completion of this game. Fireworks. Ole Miss defeats LSU 55-49. Thus ending the potential playoff hopes for the LSU Tigers. 55-49. Ole Miss defeats LSU. Let's talk about offense, and we're going to go with defense. Jackson Dart, 26 for 39 with 389 yards and four touchdowns, seven carries with 50 yards and with one touchdown. Five total touchdowns for Jackson Dart. He looked solid against uh, against this LSU defense. Quinshawn Jenkins had the best game all season so far. 33 carries with 177 yards and a touchdown, one reception with four yards and a touchdown. The real Quinshawn Jenkins has arrived. Ulysses Bentley, sorry, my my words, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, nine carries with 90 yards and a touchdown. Trey Harris, those receivers were absolute dynamite for this Rebels offense. Eight receptions with 153 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Watkins, five receptions with 103 yards and a touchdown. Dayton Wade, seven receptions with 64 yards and a touchdown. And that rounds up the Ole Miss stats for offense. Their defense made a couple of good stops. I'm going to move on to the defense here in a minute. Let's go with LSU's offense because this was an offensive showcase. Jaden Daniels deserves to be in the running for the Heisman Heisman Trophy after this, but Willie, probably not because of the losses, and I'll get to that in a minute. 27 for 36 with 414 yards and four touchdowns. 15 carries with 99 yards and a touchdown. Five total touchdowns with 414 yards through the air. Wow. Logan Diggs, 19 carries with 101 yards and two touchdowns, two receptions with 22 yards. Brian Thomas Jr., the man who the past couple of seasons was thinking, okay, can we get something going with him? Can we get something going with Brian Thomas? This year has been the year that Brian Thomas Jr. has shown out and broke out for this team finally. He has had a season so far, along with Malik Neighbors. Eight receptions with 124 yards and three touchdowns for Brian Thomas. Eight receptions with 102 yards for Malik Neighbors. Kyron Lacey, two receptions with 51 yards and a touchdown. Mason Taylor, five receptions with 61 yards. Total of 1,343 yards of offense from both teams. Ole Miss had 706 yards. LSU had 637 yards. Offense showcase. Both teams. Now, let's break down the differences. 
while Ole Miss allowed these yards, defense was pretty abysmal. Yeah, it was. It was like, uh, defense didn't look too too hot for for Ole Miss, but they had a couple of stops when it counted. LSU allowed all those yards, but did not stop them whatsoever. Ole Miss had eleven penalties. LSU had six. You would think Ole Miss had eleven penalties. But LSU committed to those penalties when it shouldn't have. You, you're getting the trend. You're getting the trend. Now, LSU committed penalties when they shouldn't have. By, what I mean by that is false starts when they're trying and they're close to the end zone to potentially win a one-point game, right? False starts. Another false start, delay a game. Penalties like that that you didn't have all game. You start getting them at the end when you're trying to win. Not only that, their defense. Now, LSU has been known to have pretty solid defense through, you know, throughout my years growing up, through, I mean, in history, right? Historically phenomenal defenses. In the program's history, it was the worst performance on defense in, in program history. Statistically, on paper, it is. And when you look at them, it's like, oh, no. Because they got talent. They got the talent. They got Harold Perkins Jr., an animal. They got uh, they got Whit, uh, Whit Weeks, the true freshman sensation who's you know coming into his own. They got Ovi Ovihono, uh, Omar Spates. They have uh, Mason Smith, an All-American D-lineman, Makai Wingo. They got a lot of those guys, man. They look, they have talent on that defensive front, and they have talent in the linebacker spot. The, the, the defensive backs are the key to this. And I said this last week, receivers versus secondary. The secondary lost. Point blank, they lost. They couldn't cover their receivers, their transfer receivers, and they're good. That's fine. But they're young. They're very, very young. And that is a big part of this. They're young. And not only that, the defensive game plan wasn't there. They played zone a lot. And when I say played zone, they played zone a lot. Um, if they would have manned up, would it made a difference? I don't know necessarily, but it could have changed a little bit. Um, the defensive game plan looked a little bit little bit off, I would assume. Uh, they couldn't stop them. Like, they couldn't stop Ole Miss at all. Um, Ole Miss couldn't stop LSU until the very last drive LSU, like the second to last drive when LSU, you know, had the ball. They stopped them when it counted. So Ole Miss wins when they stopped them when it counted. Final score, Ole Miss 55, LSU 49. What does this mean? Ole Miss controls their own destiny. LSU is going to take a little bit of work. Um, they lost two, which is could put them out of the playoff hunt. Um, I would assume that their playoff hopes are a little uh, right now. Now they control their own destiny in the West still. Ole Miss has Arkansas Saturday. It's one of those games where, you know, it's tricky for Ole Miss, but yet again, it's, it's a game that probably they should be favored in and should win. Um, LSU has a tough road test. 11 a.m. ESPN Saturday morning against Missouri. Missouri undefeated, 21 in the nation. Mizzou, they look good. Now, they haven't played anybody like LSU yet, but 
I don't know. Mizzou looks good enough to they could potentially pull off an upset. LSU's a seven as a touchdown favorite against Missouri. It's one of those things where you're just gonna have to see. But if they don't find a way to fix the defense, it could be a it could be a underwhelming season for LSU and Brian Kelly in his second outing in his second year as LSU head coach. Now. The only thing you got to change from here on out is fix the defense. If you fix the defense, everything's going to be fine. You got the offense. You got probably the most elite offense in the SEC. The, the, one of the best and most elite quarterbacks in the in, in college football in Jaden Daniels. You have, you know, two solid receivers who are going off this season. You have, you know, you're finally starting to get in the rhythm running the ball with Logan Diggs. You, you have the pieces on offense. You just got to figure out the game plan on defense. You got the pieces on defense, which is a head start. You got a Harold Perkins and a Mason Smith and a Whit Weeks, like freshman Omar Spates. You got Makai Wingo. You got those guys and those pieces. You just got to put the game plan together and you got to get, you got to coach them up. It wasn't good Saturday, but you can rebound. There's still room for improvement. There's still room to rebound. It's not over yet for either team, but if this happens against Mizzou, you start to shrug about everything. So final score, Ole Miss 55, LSU 49, LSU back to the drawing board. Ole Miss bounces back after a loss against Alabama, and they look good. They looked really, really good. Ole Miss on on offense, looks solid on defense, have some question marks there, but they stopped LSU when it counted, and that is what gives Ole Miss the stock up for me. Stock down, LSU stock up, Ole Miss there. So moving on, and that was our week five recap. Guys, sorry for the 20, 29 minutes already in, but we'll go, we'll go with the AP polls and then move on to the week six preview and prediction. So let's look at the AP poll. Obviously. Number one, Georgia. You're probably thinking, why are they number one? I'm also thinking why they're number one. Uh, and that's not trying to hate or, you know, on Georgia. Not showing any hate towards Georgia. I think Georgia's talented. I'll explain my theory on Georgia in a minute. Number one is Georgia. Number two, Michigan after rolling against Nebraska. Number three, Texas. Number four, Ohio State. Number five, Florida State. Number six, Penn State. Florida State was by, by the way. That's why they're number five. Penn State kind of looks slow against Northwestern, but then they got the hang. They 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 routed them. They got the hang of it. Six, number six, they remain there. Washington remains at seven. Seven through one is the same. Oregon moves up to eight, and USC moves down to nine. They flip-flop. Oregon at eight, USC at nine. Notre Dame at 10 after winning against Duke. Alabama at 11 after beating Mississippi State. They look good. They look good, especially in the ground game. Number 12, OU to set up a big-time showdown with number three, Texas. The Red River rivalry is this Saturday. Washington State at 13. Wazoo with Cameron Ward and Jake Dickert as their head coach. They are doing good, man. The Cougars are doing well in the Pac-12. Underrated team there. Number 14, North Carolina. Uh, They're still undefeated. Oregon State at 15. They rise up four spots after beating Utah. Ole Miss back where they were when they played Alabama at number 16, around 16 to 15 spots. Uh, They, after defeating LSU last this past Saturday, number 17, Miami, they move up. 
Utah at 18. They drop eight spots. They were at 10. Now they're at 18. Duke only drops two spots. They go from 17 to 19. And I wouldn't drop Duke too far because Duke played well. They played well. It was just one play. In that game, it only took one play for Notre Dame to score. So it was just one play, right? One play. And then they lost. Uh, I wouldn't drop Duke too far at all. Duke's still in it. But by no means. Now, if they start losing consistently, then we'll we'll start talking. But Duke looks fine. Kentucky, hello to Kentucky, by the way. At 20, they dominated Florida this past Saturday morning. And they looked really well doing it. They're headed for a showdown in Athens against the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Number 21, Mizzou. And they are headed for a home Show a home a true home test against LSU coming in. Number 21, Missouri. Number 22, Tennessee. They drop one spot. Number 23, LSU. Tennessee, by the way, defeated South Carolina in a revenge game, but they still drop one spot. Kentucky and Missouri just look too good right now. Um, LSU at 10. Uh, LSU at 23. They dropped 10 spots. They went from 13 to 23 after a heartbreaking defeat to Ole Miss. Fresno stay at 24. 5-0, Fresno State looks solid. They look good in the Mountain West. And Louisville at number 25 after defeating NC State this past Friday night. They look solid as well. Jack Plummer, let's see what he does against Notre Dame this Saturday. It's, it's at home game for Louisville. Tough game for Notre Dame and tough game for Louisville. That game will be close. We'll see, and we'll talk about it in just a little bit. That was the AP poll top 25. Let's talk about Georgia really quick. You know what? No. Let's do this. Let's go over week six, and then I will end the show talking about Georgia. Okay. Week six preview and predictions. Let's start it then. I was going, I'm going mid-show, just going improv, changing my mind here. Let's talk about the week six preview and predictions. Let's break down these games and and just preview and predict. I'll give you my winners. We'll talk about Georgia in the end because that's where I'm headed. So, week six, Top matchups, starting with the Red River rivalry. Obviously, I got to pick this game. Oklahoma and Texas. The keys to the game. Can Oklahoma's secondary contain Texas's wide receivers? The key secondary, you got Justin Harrington and Billy Bowman Jr., who have been solid for the Oklahoma Sooners. And then for the wide receiver for Texas, you got Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, the Georgia transfer. Solid receivers, some of the best group of receivers in college football, and some of the most underrated young talented defensive backs in college football in Oklahoma. Brent Venables bringing this team to life. They're 5-0. and this, They've already won their season total last year. They're about to win their season total last year. OU looks good. They may end up, win or lose this game, may end up winning or may end up going to the Big 12 title game in December. OU Texas. This is great, y'all. This is great. Red River rivalry, undefeated both teams. Can Oklahoma's secondary contain Texas' wide receivers? That is a big key for Oklahoma in this game for them to win. Now, Texas is key. Quinn Ewers keeps playing lights out and keeps playing the way he's playing, especially like he did against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Now, Texas is key, Oklahoma's key. Who do I have winning this game? I have Texas winning this game. I think Texas wins it. I think it's going to be close. I don't think, I think Texas is going to get tested. It's not going to be a 40-14 game like last week uh, for Texas. It's going to be a close game. OU's on fire. Dylan Gabriel's playing lights out. But 
I think it's going to be a close game back and forth until the end. I think 56 Texas, 49 Oklahoma. High scoring affair, 56 Texas, 49 Oklahoma, and hands Oklahoma its first loss of the season. Texas improves to 6-0 and and remains potentially in the top three and could be gunning for that number one spot. Texas beats Oklahoma 56-49 this Saturday. Notre Dame at Louisville is up next. Close game. You're thinking, you're picking Notre Dame and Louisville? Yeah, dude, I am. I mean, Louisville looks pretty good. They look tough. But here comes Notre Dame. Here comes the Irish. Both undefeated at Louisville, Kentucky. Jeff Brom, man. Jeff Brom is doing it. He came from he came from Purdue. Jeff Brom did. He is going back to his alma mater, and he is already undefeated. Undefeated, five and zero. Gar looking or four and zero looking or five and zero looking for a six and zero spot. Here we go. Both undefeated. Four, uh, five and uh, I'm sorry, it's five and one Notre Dame, five and zero Louisville. Here we go. Key to the game for Notre Dame: apply pressure to Jack Plummer. If I'm the defense of Notre Dame, I'm applying pressure to Jack Plummer, forcing him to make mistakes, forcing him to make throws that he normally doesn't make, and I would, I, I would force him into some deep waters and deep, you know, into some, and make some mental errors in this game. On the flip side of that. If I'm Louisville to win this game, here's their key. Their defense limits Audric Estime and Sam Hartman. You limit that duo. If you limit them, everything should fall into place for y'all. I think it's going to be a, a defensive battle between both teams. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I really do. Who do I have winning? Notre Dame. I got Notre Dame beating Louisville. I think it's going to be close. Low scoring, but Notre Dame walks away with this one in the end. They win by a score of 17-10. Notre Dame 17, Louisville 10, and I think it's going to be a hard affair there between both two teams. Notre Dame pulls away at the end, 17-10, similar to the Duke game. Uh, They beat Louisville 17-10. Give me the Irish beating Louisville and moving up to 6-1 with Louisville dropping to 5-1. Okay, so here we go. Alabama A&M. Two more games. Alabama A&M. CBS 230 kick. You're thinking, here we go. Everyone picks Alabama A&M. I got to pick Alabama A&M game. When they play each other all the time, it's a game that you got to try to preview and predict, right? Alabama at Texas A&M. Key number one for Texas A&M, you don't have Connor Wingman. You don't. You got Max Johnson, though. He did pretty well against Arkansas. Okay, he did pretty well against Arkansas in 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 Dallas. So here here's what we do here for Texas A&M. You got to bring out unexpected plays and tricks against Alabama's defense because that Alabama defense looks a little similar to the Alabama defense of old. They looked a little bit similar to the defensive of old of Alabama, and that means Alabama locks down a lot on defense. So you got to bring out unexpected plays and tricks against this defense. They're tough. They got a lot of talent on that defense and all, especially in the secondary spot. So I would bring some new looks and new tricks to try to try to confuse them a little bit and shake them off balance. Um, I I think that's the best key for A and M to win this ball game. Alabama's key is to keep feeding Jace McClellan. <laughs> That's pretty simple. I said that last one. I said that against Ole Miss. Establish the run game and use and go out to the basics. Keep using the basics. 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Have you know, you know, that's the saying, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I wouldn't fix it. Uh, there's nothing to fix there. Let Alabama and their running backs run and let and just feed Jace McClellan the rock. Uh, Bama run the ball. A&M needs to just do some trick plays and do some unexpected looks to confuse that defense. Who do I have winning this ball game? Close game. Probably until midway through the fourth. I think Bama pulls away in midway through the fourth and, and ends it. I think Alabama beats A&M. Uh, they you know, kind of get that grip on the West a little bit by defeating A&M. A&M gets their first SEC loss, by the way, uh, against Alabama by a score of 35-28. I'll say a touchdown win. 35-28. Alabama 35, Texas A&M 28. Bama wins it on the road and... I say they pull it out by just running the ball, keeping it simple, doing what Alabama did back in 2011 and 2012 in the early dynasty days of Bama, and that's just run the rock. So 35-28, Alabama, they pull away and they defeat Texas A&M. Last game, Kentucky at Georgia, and that's where I'm going with this. Talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Kentucky at Georgia, keys to the game here. Both undefeated, by the way. Both 5-0 heading into this matchup, 5-0. and um, We are ready, man. We are ready for this one. Kentucky 20, Georgia 1, both undefeated. Something's got to give. Kentucky, East Division game, by the way, guys. Kentucky's key, Devin Leary needs to establish dominance in the passing game over Carson Beck. I think if he, do- if he establishes dominance, I think... Kentucky may have a shot here. Now, you got Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer, who went off, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. If you did not watch that game against Florida, he went off on that defense. He looked solid against Florida. Yes, you're thinking, run the ball with Ray Davis. Absolutely. I'm feeding Ray Davis the rock as well. But you got to have a little bit of balance on offense, and Devin Leary is that guy from the NC State transfer who could bring that balance for Kentucky and for Liam Cohen's offense. So, I would establish dominance in the passing game and be like, oh, we didn't expect this at all. I would establish dominance in the passing game from Devin Leary. Now, the Georgia's key to win this game. They come alive. You're thinking, what does that mean? They come alive. The real Georgia shows up. I'll get to that in a minute. Who do I have winning this game? Close ball game. I got Georgia defeating Kentucky. You're thinking, dude, what? Georgia defeating Kentucky? Yes, I do. The way they're playing right now, I do. I have Georgia be defeating Kentucky. Georgia beats Kentucky. I think they win by a score of 38-35. I'll go, I'll go with that score. 38 38- 35. Georgia 38, Kentucky 35. Three-point win for Georgia, and they beat Kentucky at home, and they send Kentucky back to Lexington with their first loss of the year. Kentucky might finish second or third in the East because they look solid, but Georgia does enough to defeat Kentucky. Now, you're asking about the key. Let's talk about Georgia for a second before we conclude today's episode of Pisky and Friends. I keep talking about it. Come alive. What does that mean? I don't know if y'all been noticing Georgia, but they've been sleepwalking. Um, They have been sleepwalking throughout their games. Now, if you look at Georgia, top to bottom, rosters loaded. 
They have depth, okay? Five-star, five, they have four and five-star second strings and third strings. They got guys. They got the talent, but they've been sleepwalking through this competition, through these through this, through this schedule that is a little bit easier than most in college football, and they have been. There's no doubt. You, there's no doubt, and it's. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but it's the truth. They have been sleepwalking, um, and it's fact. When you when you look at them and, and you think, dude, why are they sleepwalking when they got so much talent? They got Brock Bowers. They got the best tight end in, in America. They got. They have guys like Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas from State, Dominic Lovett, the Missouri transfer, Lad McConkey. They. They, they got Kendall Milton. They got uh, Javon Bullard on defense, you know. Uh, they got a lot of guys and a lot of stout players who will match up with anybody on the field. They have the roster to three-peat. You're thinking, no, they don't. They do. They have the roster to three-peat and go to the playoffs and compete with anybody in that field. But will they, though? It's all a mental thing. They keep sleepwalking through their competition. They are downplaying this. They're downplaying the whole thing, and they're not. They have not woken up. If that makes sense, uh, they need to come alive. They need to come alive, or their three peak quest will end, and it will end in heartbreak. Uh, and it could end in heartbreak Saturday if they do not come alive. Now, if they come alive, then the real Georgia shows up. They will win, and they will win out the rest of their schedule. The real Georgia needs to show up. The, the tough, strong, okay, this is Georgia football. But they're not showing that. They need to prove to people Saturday why they're the number one team in the nation. Because right now, they why I said I was, I was surprised that they're number one is they haven't showed that they're number one. Auburn, prime example, they, the, the way they played against Auburn, they didn't show that they were the number one team in the country. Michigan showed that they were the number one team in the country, and so did Texas. Georgia is not showing that they're the number one team in the country. And I think that if they play to play to the tough, we're the G standard, we're the dog standard, no one's going to really stop them talent-wise because they can compete with anybody on that field any given Saturday. Georgia wins this game. I think it's going to be close, but we have to see something from them that makes us say, okay, Georgia's going to go to the playoff, and they're, they're going to win out the rest of their schedule. Their schedule looks fairly easy, but there's some games on that schedule that they can lose. Could Saturday being one of them, Tennessee being one of them, can, and Ole Miss being one of them as well. So, And potentially Missouri. If Missouri is, pro is promises advertised, we, we got to see how Missouri does against LSU this coming up Saturday morning. But I mean, Georgia, you, you, you're going to have to not sleepwalk anymore. It's time. The college football playoff rankings are going to be released in Halloween. We're getting close. So you're go we're going to have to see a Georgia team that does not sleepwalk throughout their schedule. So, that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, a big thank you for just taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, and leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. 
Also, Instagram's trivia question stories go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, big thank you again today. We will get down to business Thursday. NFL recap for week four. We're going to shoot straight into week five of the NFL. A lot of stuff happening. Chiefs played a close game against the Jets. We're going to see what happens with the Bengals. They're one and three. We're going to see what happens there. It's not looking, not a good start there. The Ravens have a strong hold in the AFC North. The Jaguars look impressive. We're going to, you know, talk about a lot what's going on in the NFL. For everybody out there, I'm Joel Norris signing off. See you Thursday for a pigskin frenzy, a NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And for everybody out there, stay the course.